0: happy mother's day how many of you had a mother would you raise your hand Uh, okay yeah so uh, we've got a lot of reasons to celebrate and I'd like to kind of uh, look at two main areas in scripture today and one is uh, what is a child supposed to do what do you owe your parents what do you owe your mother and then uh, the other part of it is then go to talk about mothers and about the the blessings and the responsibilities of motherhood So, God, as we talk about these things, we ask that you'll speak to us, teach us, and bless us in your precious name. Amen. Um, So, we start with this phrase, what's a child to do? And in Mark chapter 7, verse 9, is our main text. If you have your Bible, you may want to open to that in Mark 7, starting at verse 9. Then he said, who said? Jesus said, You reject God's laws in order to uh, hold onto your own traditions. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the persistent scribes and Pharisees who were always there to uh, hassle him. It's amazing to me when I think of our dear Lord Christ that who was it who was hardest for him to deal with in the world? And it were the people who viewed themselves as the most religious people in Israel. And they were the ones who were just never satisfied with him and ultimately were compliant in his death. Sometimes uh, being religious uh, is not always uh, a blessing. It's what your religion is focused on and who you're focused on that makes a difference. He says, for instance, Moses gave you this law from God, Genesis, quotes Genesis twenty twelve. You ever notice how often Jesus quotes the Bible? constantly quoting the Bible. Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother. He did not say this was a suggestion from God. Uh, and I, I, I know uh, when I was in California, you know, uh, I, I remember because I came from Chicago to California, and in, uh, and in Chicago, family is huge. Uh, you know uh, and you 're not just a family you 're like an Irish family or you 're an Italian family or you're a Polish family, or in my case, a Swedish family and your ethnicity and your family life is so important that mother 's Day in my church in Chicago was the third largest Sunday of the year easter christmas mother 's day those were the big three. And I came to California, and I remember my first Mother's Day, and I'm sitting in a staff meeting talking about, hey, we want to make it a great day, we want to make it a big day. And uh, the worship pastor said, well, you know, a lot of us have issues with our mother. A lot of us are in counseling because of our mother. And I said, well, okay, I'm not in Chicago anymore. Uh, you know, it, and I understand the complexity of that. There's truth in what he said. I get that. And yet still, the Bible says this is not a suggestion. This is God's law. Honor your father and mother. It doesn't say if you feel like it. It doesn't say it'll always be convenient. It doesn't say it'll always be easy. He, He goes on at the end of that and says, not only should you honor, but you should affirm anyone who speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. Go forward one slide. Uh... Wow, did I hear that right? What are the last couple words? Must be put to death. I guess this is a big thing, huh? In, in the law, we know it says, you know, honor your father and mother, but Jesus goes on and says, and in a different passage, this is Exodus twenty-one sixteen. 16. Uh, Anyone who speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. Now, friends, let's just be honest, can we? Have you ever said a negative word about your dad or your mom? Oh, absolutely. So it's not, it's not just, I don't think, just talking about a casual or an off-the-cuff remark or something like that, although you think you should be careful with that. But I think it's very much focused on the person who is just always focused on what's wrong with the mom and dad that God gave to them. And again, uh, you are assigned to be with a person And it says, not only should you honor that person, but you should not speak evil of them. Uh, In the uh, next verse 11, but you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give it to God. Uh, what could have been given to you now that sounds so nice doesn't it well I'm sorry mom I wish I could help you but I promised all this everything I have I promised it all to God uh, the, the Hebrew word you know was the word Corbin and what you could do in their law was you could declare something was Corbin and that would mean it was dedicated to God so that meant it had to go to the church right oh no uh, it, it meant you couldn't spend it on yourself right you could spend it on yourself. You could use it just like any other money you had. But by making that statement to your parents in their tradition, not the law of God, not the scripture, but their tradition, uh, if you would say that to your parents, then you didn't have to worry about helping your mother and father at all. Um, I remember being with a man in Florida And my parents used to spend the winter in Florida, down in Boca Raton, Florida. And I got to know a lot of the people there through the years, being down there in the condominium building where they lived. And one of them had a son who had one of the largest investment companies in America. And I can remember him saying, well, you know, my only disappointment in my son is he owes God a lot of money. And it'd be nice if he would take better care of his mother and I. It wasn't that he didn't have the resource, he didn't have his heart in the right place to help. And it says that it is not a privilege to help, although it is. It says it is a responsibility to help. Verse 12, you let them disregard their needy parents, and as such, you break the law of God. Jesus. Who said it? Jesus said it. When you disregard your needy parents, you are, you are breaking the law of God. That's not honoring. That's not caring for. And it says, uh, and this is only one example. There are many, many others. It's interesting. In other words, Jesus had other examples. He could have brought many things up, but he chose specifically this one because it bothered him so much to see this. You owe it to your parents to help them. Uh, Ephesians 6, we're going to change now. Interesting here, children, one of the things they owe their parents is to obey. It's, uh, sometimes we forget that when they had the early church, it wasn't just the adults sitting there. The kids were sitting there. In those days, I don't think there was like a kid's church, or I don't think it was a time when, when it was like a small group of people in what we call a house church, and they were all just kind of meeting together. And it says, uh, it says, hey, kids, here's what I want to remind you of. You need to obey your parents. Uh, m- maybe one of the questions of, in, in the mind of, of the Apostle Paul here is how do you honor your, your mother? And part of the answer is you obey her. You obey her. You, you have to believe uh, that, that she knows more than you. But look at the reasons he gives. Because you belong to the Lord and for this is the right thing to do, honor your father and mother. He says, he says two specific reasons why a young person should obey mother and father. Number one, um, it's, if you're in the Lord, if you are a Christian, it's the right thing for a Christian to do. You do this as a follower of Jesus. This is one of the ways you follow Jesus is you obey the parents that God has put in your life. Uh, what's the other reason? He says, well, it's propriety. He says, it's just, it's the right thing to do. And then he goes on. This is the first of the 10 commandments that ends with a promise. So here's a little extra motivation on this one for you. There's a promise in this one, and this is the promise. Here's the path. You ready? If you honor your father and mother, then you will live a long life full of blessing. Now, Anybody want a a long life full of blessing? How about a long life? Anybody want a long life? You want to go a little longer yet? Yeah? How many want a life that's full of blessing? I mean, uh, okay, how can I get to that? It's amazing all the time people spend reading Prevention Magazine, uh, reading or hearing about what the latest uh, uh, bio help is to try to the studies on longevity uh, maybe medicine that'll help you live longer all the things we do to pursue a longer life and yet here is one of the things that God says the promise notice the word promise does God break a promise no the promise is if you honor your father and mother you will live long and not only will you live long because you can live long and have a terrible life right but you will live long and you will be blessed in the long life. You will be, it, not just life, but look at Jesus. I mean, Paul here says, full of blessing, full of blessing. Uh, so here, here's how you can have a long life and uh, it'll be full of blessing. Uh, I'm selling a, a new uh, capsule that you can get for a uh, hundred dollars uh, for enough for a three-month supply. And if you buy one month, I'll give you another bottle of the capsules and you will live long and you'll have a full of blessing life, you know, and people will pay for it. But what God says is the key to it. What God says is the indispensable part of it. They just skip right past it. First Timothy 5. Never speak harshly to an older man. Never. Harsh. Never to an older man. But appeal to him. What's the key word here? Respectfully. One of the keys. You have to remember that that in the first century uh the, the world was you, you know you think it's a mess today i mean I, I remember reading in rome that the women used to name uh the years by the names of the husband they had that particular year uh, in in hebrew theology all a man had to do was tell his wife i divorced you seven times and and that the marriage was over women were nothing they were property they were owned uh, they had no legal rights uh, when a widow uh, lost her husband You know, if her family didn't take care of her, she really had no other choice probably than something like prostitution or whatever because there was just nothing available to her in that world. It was not a a nice place to be. It was a tough place to be, and in that kind of a world where family life was non-existent, where people just didn't seem to care much about each other— Jesus uh, and the apostles tried to establish a new way of living, a new way, a new community of Christian people who who were building family life, who were building together something that was strong and were the family of families. The church would support each other and help each other and strengthen each other based on the commands and the promises of scripture. And he uh, it says here when you're dealing with not just church people, but all people, treat people with respect as though he were your own father. Talk to the younger men as you would to your uh, own brothers. Treat the older women as you would treat your mother, which again, honor, respect. Treat the younger women with all purity as your own sisters. I was blessed. uh, I'm, I'm the oldest in the family. I have two sisters who are younger than me. And I was blessed to have sisters because it really helped me a lot when I was in my college years and I was getting into dating to know how to treat a woman, how to treat someone I was dating. And what he says is, hey, treat her like you treat your sister. Uh, you know, I, my sisters were uh, sickly when I was growing up. They both had rheumatic fever. And uh, my first job was uh, working at Henderson's Pharmacy when I was a sophomore in high school because uh, we had bought so much medicine at Henderson's Pharmacy that Mr. Henderson hired me and gave me a job. Uh, and, and I knew what it was to care for my sisters. Uh, I would not have thought inappropriate thoughts towards my sisters. I didn't have that in me. I... Uh, and so when I started dating, then that gave me a paradigm I could use for how I should treat the girls that I was going out with. It says, uh, the older women should be shown the respect, the honor that you would give to your, your own mother. Uh, I like the, this quote by uh, Charles here. If you, when you are looking at your mother, you're looking at the purest love you will ever know. I believe that that's a true statement. And then you owe it to to repay. Here he's uh, going on now uh, in Timothy, 1 Timothy 5. The church should care for any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. The word repay there, the word requite is to return returns. In other words, these people who have cared for you throughout your life to get you to this point, now you have to care for them. It's a responsibility of life, and it's one of the, the things why family life kind of works together is if, if you are a, a Christian especially, you owe it to repay your parents by taking care of them. My son works in computers, he's busy, he's got all kinds of clients, he right now is handling the man who's the new head of Warner Brother Pictures and doing his computer installation at home, and he does all kinds of computer work for highfalutin people who are much more important in a worldly sense than I'll ever be. And uh, he called me on Thursday, and there was no reason why he called me but just to say hi. And you know what? Uh, I was wishing that that happened more often. Uh, my mother died five years ago this spring. I was always trying to find, when could I, I just call? So what we settled on is uh, every day when I would drive home from work, I'd call my mother. So she knew what time I was going to call. And i would just call and ask her how her day had been ask her tell her about my day and we would just talk on my way home from work uh, and that was such a blessing to her uh, my wife calls her mother every night at about between seven to eight o'clock her mother's in minnesota two hours ahead and so every night 7 30 8 o'clock she's on the phone talking to her mother doesn't matter what we're doing. She stops it. She'll go away. It's time for her to call her mother. You know, caring is is just sometimes, friends, it's just as simple as picking up the phone sometimes. It's just as simple as sending a card or writing a note or just doing something tangible, sending an email, text, or something, something tangible that just say, I'm thinking about you, I care for you, anything I can pray about, you're significant in my life. It's not hard to care. I remember a missionary who was criticized because she came home because she had, her parents were very sick, especially her father, and she left the field to come home because her dad was sick and she was criticized by so many people in church that she left the mission field to care for her parents. I think she did the right thing. The next one is a, maybe a harder one. Mark, Matt, we're back in Mark again now, Mark ten six, God's plan was seen from the beginning of creation, For he made them male and female. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. That that verse, that idea of what happens in marriage is repeated like six times in Scripture. The same thing over and over again, starting in Genesis 2.24 all the way through the Scripture. This is what marriage is. Leave your father and mother, cleave to your wife, join together with your wife, and the two uh, are united into one. And sometimes the leaving is hard. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud wrote a book a few years ago. I recommend to you if you've never read it, it's called Necessary Endings. Necessary Endings. And in that book, he says, uh, today may be the enemy of your tomorrow. Today may be the enemy of your tomorrow. And part of what happens in life in these transitions is there just comes a day when part of your responsibility is to leave home. I mean, I, I got to tell you, there's a whole lot, I'm surprised at the number of young adults in their 20s who are still living in their, in their old bedroom at home. And, you know, part of growing older and growing up is there comes a day it's time for you to leave and get on with your life. It's, it's, it should be just kind of something that's natural. Let's switch gears now and talk about a mother and what, is, what should a mother do. I always love the quote by Thackeray that mother is the name for God in the lips and hearts of little children. And she has a very, very significant role, especially in the lives of kids growing up. And again, look, look at that same verse we looked at because her part in that is to let go. Uh, now let's think a little bit about uh, some television shows. Everybody loves Raymond. What is the tension that's built into this show? Uh, between his parents and his wife right uh let's think about all in the family archie bunker and what was his name for michael stivic his son in law what was it, what did he call him meathead you know we 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 think it's so funny when you watch on tv a family where there's all this tension going on inside it's not funny it 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 uh, it's something that, as part of that leaving, when when you let them leave, you've, you've got to let them leave too. You've got to realize that the most important relationship in their life when they're married is their relationship to each other is more important than any other relationship in the world for them. And that's the relationship that needs to be preserved and made stronger. It says... Uh, since they're no longer two but one, let no one separate them. No one. Anybody here? Any, yeah, no one. Yeah, but this is my, no, no one. But my daughter, no one can separate them, God says. Because God has joined them together. Oh, I don't agree with that. I don't think God joined. Yeah, he did. You know why you know how I know that? Because if he wanted to stop it, he could have. Pray. Acts one fourteen. They all met together continually for prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women and the brothers of Jesus. It mentions specifically that when the early church was meeting to pray, the women were there. What a shock. Tell me something I haven't seen in fifty years of ministry. Who shows up for prayer meeting? Who shows up and gives themselves to the prayer chain? It's the women. Praise God, it's the women of the church. It's the oil that keeps the whole thing working for us more than we realize. Thank God for the women who were there right from the beginning. You know, think about the, the songs we sing written by people like Fanny Crosby and some, some of the greatest praise choruses even written today, Uh, darlene zitch and some of the people who've written worship songs it's women and they contribute so much to our worship Uh, acts 12 i love it peter gets out of prison and after a little thought he doesn't know what to do he gets miraculously sprung from prison he doesn't know what to do so he goes to the house of mary the mother of john mark where many were gathered for prayer he knows where to go, where the people were praying. They were praying that God would get him out of jail, and while they're praying it, he's actually coming to their house out of jail. And uh, Rhonda, I think was her name, was Rhonda or Rhoda, at the door uh, goes and looks to see who's knocking on the door. It's Peter. She shuts it and goes back and tells everybody, hey, Peter's at the door. <laughs> she doesn't even let him in, you know. Uh, but it's the prayers of the of the church, and it specifically keeps talking about the power of the, the mothers, the women praying together. Don't ever give up praying for your kids. Mom's in touch, whatever you're part of. Get involved in places where you can get together with people and pray for each other's kids. Pray for your own kids. Have a set time every day. My father had his alarm set on his watch for a certain time every day so that when that would go off, he would pray for his kids and his grandkids. And it was a reminder to him every day of his life to keep praying for his family. Next one is to adopt, and... In uh, Romans 16, greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be His very own, and also His dear mother, who has been a mother to me. Paul never talks about his mother, but he talks about Rufus's mother we're not sure if this is the rufus you know uh, in in mark 15:21 write that down 15:21 mark 15:21 it tells us that simon of cyrene who carried the cross for jesus had two sons and one of his sons was rufus we're not sure if that's who this is but it doesn't say specifically who it is otherwise rufus whom the lord picked out to be his very own and also his dear mother I had a lady who lived next door to us, my house in Arlington Heights, Illinois, and the house was built kind of sideways, and I could go out the back door, out the kitchen, and I could take about uh, a dozen steps, and I'd be at the back door of uh, Kitty Makut's house, my next door neighbor, my great Irish neighbor, who would be at Catholic Mass seven o'clock every morning of her life, you know, and, and aside from, uh, always having her bottle of whiskey on the table was, uh, you know, just a a model of devotion. And when I needed stuff, I didn't know what to do, or I was one of those latch kids kids at home. A lot of times, because my mother was working most of the time as a nurse, when I'd get home, if I needed help, I'd go see Kitty. Kitty was like an adopted mother to me. I remember one night I was home and my mother was having a heart attack. I did not know what to do. Uh, nothing prepares a high school kid to what do you do when your mother's ha- in in her bed crying out because she's ha- she's you're sure she's having a heart attack and in those days you couldn't just call 911 it was a harder harder thing i didn't know what to do i ran and i got kitty i said kitty i think my mom's having a heart attack thank god for those people in our lives thank god for the mothers that you've had along the way who weren't your mother the 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 woman on the block who takes all the kids and Make some sandwiches or snacks and cares for all those kids. Thank God for all the mothers who care and and have shown that throughout time. And Kitty brought her bottle of whiskey over and started pouring it down my mother's throat. But but I got to tell you, it saved my mother's life, so whatever it is. uh, (laughs) uh, I like the quote from Louisa May Alcott. What do girls do who haven't any mothers to help them through their trouble. What, what do the girls do? Sometimes God brings somebody else. I'm convinced that if your own parents don't care for you, God will bring somebody else in your life who will care for you. I'll tell you, uh, well, here's the short line. David, David, all of his brothers, uh, the prophet comes and says, one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. He's only got one problem, Jesse. Jesse the father of David, he has to find somebody to watch the sheep. So who are you going to leave out with the sheep? The kid that you think is least likely to ever be the king of Israel, right? So he puts David out in the field, and he brings all the great sons he has, and God says to to the prophet Samuel, none of these is the one. And what's he doing? He takes David, unappreciated where he is, and he puts him under the tutelage and the care of Samuel, to be in essence almost like a surrogate father to him god will bring somebody and god will give some of you that role i know some of you say well i don't have any kids of myself oh that's that's an excuse you can adopt kids you can have kids who become like life to you who become part of your family who you care about i've heard so many stories about people that you know call aunt, aunt wilmer and something it doesn't matter this person that god brought into my life to care for me when i needed somebody to care for me Years ago, I was trying to think of who do I know who's been supportive of me in my lifetime? And I could, the only person I could think of at the time really was Marilyn Rice. And I called Marilyn Rice up and I said, Marilyn, every time when I was a kid, people would say stuff about me. You would always say, don't worry about Billy. He's gonna be fine. You believed in me, you supported me, you loved me. I could hardly get the words that I was crying so hard just to tell her that. How much I appreciated her being like a mother to me. Um, well, you know, parenting is complicated. Boys get their sense of self from achievement, but girls get their sense of self from relationships. Uh, for girls, asking for help is a way of building bridges to other people. And uh, boys are very linear in their thinking, focus on one thing at a time, sequential. Girls are usually multitaskers, able to juggle several things at once. Boys are all about action. Girls are more verbal. Are these things surprising anybody? We're different. As we start to close out here, 1 Thessalonians 2. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But we were as gentle among you as a mother feeding and caring for her own children. There's no manual on how to be a mother. No really good, you know, we have all kinds of different books and stuff we get, but, you know, there's no definitive guide that that helps us all. But Paul says here's, as apostles of Christ, here's what we acted like with you we acted like women, we acted like mothers. We tried to care for you gently. And he goes on, and he not only did we nurture you, he says, but verse 8, we, we loved you so much that we gave you not only God's, uh, God's good news, but our own lives too. Sacrificial love. My psychologist friends tell me that if you take a a, a rat, I don't know why they always study rats to find out what we're like, but, uh, and you, you put the mother rat on one side... Of a, of a box, and on the other side, you put her babies, and you put an electrified grid between the two of them that if she tries to go to her children, it'll kill her. She'll go every time to get to her babies. Sacrificial love. And I think a lot of times, women and, and you mothers have that wired in you. You, you know if somebody said... I've got one bullet. I'm going to kill you or your kid. You're going to take the bullet. You understand what sacrificial love is. And then finally, 2 Timothy 1. I know that you sincerely trust the Lord for you have the faith of your mother, Eunice, and your grandmother, Lois. Never mentions anything about Timothy's father. It says that the reason he became the great leader he was, the great Christian he was, was because of his mother, says in 2 Timothy 3 15 that they taught him the scriptures great value of heritage when is God at his best when he made the cascade mountains you know when he made the islands and the sound when he created the beauty that we see on these gorgeous days like yesterday and today sun is shining it's so beautiful in the world I think God is at his best. When he came into the bedroom of an eight-year-old boy in Park Ridge, Illinois, who was crying because he had heard a sermon about hell that night and he was scared of it. But his mother came into the room and she said, it's okay, Billy. You can pray and receive Jesus Christ right now and you'll never have to worry about that. And God was at his best that night in Park Ridge, Illinois when my mother prayed with me and I had the privilege of accepting Jesus Christ with her. There's a quote that says, it's easier to build a healthy child than it is to repair an adult. God bless all of you ladies as you give yourself to the task. And Father, we pray that you would bless us in this that we would serve and honor you well by the way we care for the people you've entrusted to our life whether they be our parents or our children and may we make as a church great models of Christians who follow Jesus and who let it be real even in our family life in your name we pray amen